It started 11 years ago when I had two kids under two and I was working and teaching and blah, blah, blah. You know the drill. All the craziness of life. It was my birthday and my husband asked me what I wanted. And I said, oh, I just want to go to a hotel, take a nap, order in, watch movies, I want to be able to use the bathroom in privacy. <laughs> oh my gosh, the number of times that bathroom door was pushed open by a little person calling, Mommy, Mommy. Yeah. I just wanted a moment to myself. My husband said, Oh, that sounds great. And I said, I love you, but you are not invited. <laughs> I just want to be alone. I just want to be alone. I was just going through a busy season of life. But eventually, with more stress over time, it can get to be too much, especially if you add a pandemic, homeschooling, uncertain job security, and so much more. Today, we're going to talk to a couple of people about what happened to them when their own life stress became too much. See if anything resonates with you. There is a theme in all of these conversations. Burnout. As I was researching and preparing for this episode, I thought I knew how it would unfold. We'd talk about burnout, what it is, and most importantly, how to recover from it, and hopefully think deeply on how to prevent it. But the more I really dug into it, reflected on it, and spoke to more people about it, the more I realized I needed to take a different approach. Burnout is not just exhaustion, fatigue, busyness. There is actually so much more. My name is Rishma Walji, and this is the EXO Conversations Podcast. If you haven't experienced burnout yourself, you probably know someone who has. A recent 2021 survey reported that 51% of respondents had experienced burnout. And yes, the pandemic had an impact on that number. But even pre-pandemic, the numbers were still a staggeringly high 42%. That means that basically every other person has experienced burnout at some point or another, which is shocking. This is a shocking number. Unfortunately, there isn't a standard set of symptoms or a straightforward diagnostic criteria. You can't do a blood test to determine if you have burnout. It's often a medley of symptoms and a subjective experience that is hard to quantify. Still, it's one of the most interesting areas in healthcare because it impacts so many people. And for people who are at risk of burnout, it can easily get out of hand into what's called loss spirals where you start to lose something, let's say energy or motivation, and in turn, you end up losing more and more as a result. You can't work, you get behind, you're grumpy with your family, etc., and it just keeps getting worse. Unfortunately, so often, people don't realize what they're experiencing, or maybe they feel like they're actually burning out, but they have too many responsibilities and can't do anything about it and just hope that it goes away. Sometimes we even rationalize our symptoms. Have you ever said to yourself, I'm just tired because I was up late last night and the night before and the night before. <laughs> and you don't realize that it's all related. You just go about your day and just try to justify each day why you're tired, why you're upset. And then 
somehow you need to take a step back and just realize it's all related. There is a pattern here and it's just been getting worse. It doesn't always look like burnout and we don't always know what it is or how quickly it can hit us, even if you work in healthcare. My name is Megan. I'm a nurse practitioner. I work in primary care and I'm a mom of 12-year-old twins. Megan experienced burnout and despite working in healthcare, she didn't connect what was happening to her. Like many of us, she tried to solve the problem. And in the meantime, she just tried to keep going with all she had to do at home and at work. I didn't realize at the time that that's what was happening to me. I thought that maybe I had something hormonal going on or there was something nutritional that was off. I mean, I was absolutely exhausted all the time, no matter, you know, what my sleep was like or how much I was trying to take care of myself. I wasn't feeling better. And I was feeling tired to the point of, I felt like I was getting sick. Like I felt By the end of the day, like I was, my head was achy, my throat was achy, almost that sort of like you're coming down with a cold sort of feeling. I'd get home, I'd get through my evening, I'd wake up in the morning and that would be gone. And then by the end of the day, it would be back again. My stomach was out of sorts, you know, digestive stuff was not normal, was not, didn't feel good. My sleep wasn't great. I would toss and turn. I would wake up frequently in the nighttime or I would really struggle to get to sleep. And then on top of feeling just exhausted, I was angry and irritable. I would go into work and I would be angry that I was just even opening the door to go in in the morning. I would just, I had this like grumbling voice of, you know, having to be there. Generally, burnout is described as what happens when the demands of a job outweigh a person's ability to cope with the stress. Personally, I don't think that begins to cover it, but let's start there with a modification. Let's say that burnout is when the demands of life outweigh a person's ability to cope with stress. Because I'd argue that it's not, in fact, always related to the demands of a job. It could be the demands of life, taking care of kids, an aging parent, experiencing chronic pain, really any time when stress overwhelms us to a place where we are no longer able to cope, when the deadlines, to-do lists, and expectations exceed our ability to recharge and recover, especially when those stressors continue or last for long periods of time the body almost starts to shut down. It's not able to manage one more thing. You can cope with stress for a day or a week or even a month, but at some point it will weigh on you and your coping strategies just can't keep up. Job stress is the most looked at. Too much work, too few boundaries, not enough time, the structure of the way we work, the constraints within which we work from, Job stress can be present for everyone in every industry. It might look different or be demanding in different ways, but there's always the potential of it getting to be too much. 
And in certain jobs, like in healthcare or teaching or social work, the stress is often centered around being able to care for someone else's needs. So I asked Megan specifically about the caregiving aspect of her job. For me, being in a healthcare role, it's almost like you can't win because in order for patients to feel they're cared for, there's sometimes an an expectation of a full service, do absolutely everything, and then some just in case because I need reassurance. And then there's the system saying, what are you doing? You know, you're wasting money. That was inappropriate. That was unnecessary. You know, you're not providing proper care and you're stuck in the middle. And then with the system itself, certainly not providing the type of services and care that really would make a difference for people, people with chronic pain who don't have access to physiotherapy, massage therapy, any of these modalities that would actually improve function, quality of life, you know, None of that is accessible. Um, psychology and counseling and mental health service is not like barely accessible. Um, you're left with a very limited toolbox. You really never feel like you're doing a good job. And then you're feeling that way at work and you come home and see all the things that you wish you were doing better and wish you had more time for and everything you're worried about um, missing and letting drop, and you never escape that. I asked her how this impacted her on a more personal level. I think there's probably too big of a, of a tie for me between someone else's outcomes and um, my worth and my value. And that if someone has a bad experience or doesn't do well, it reflects on my value as a person, as a human. Um, Because I think so much of my identity is tied up in caregiving that I don't have too many other measures that I go to to label or to identify or measure my success and my worth. We talked about this a lot about measures of success in this kind of a job where you don't necessarily always see the type of statistics or results that you want to. How it's not just related to how hard you work, but also how well the patient can follow through or communicate with what's happening, how well the system can work to get people's appointments when they need them, and how difficult it may be to communicate with other health providers that the patient is seeing. It's easy to get lost in the multitude of stressors that accompany a situation like this. Stress of performing in your job, of things not working out the way you want them to, the stress of conflict or the environment, and then add to that personal life, relationships, responsibilities, worry about the future, finances, health issues, family, lack of connection. The list seems never-ending. How can we not be burnt out? There are a few hypothesized physiological mechanisms in burnout, the primary ones involving the HPA axis and the nervous system. 
So the HPA axis is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, and the nervous system specifically is the autonomic nervous system. They both play a role in burnout. The HPA axis is the communication channel, if you will, between the brain and the adrenal glands, which are responsible for releasing stress hormone. And the autonomic nervous system is important in the fight or flight response during stress. So far, research is fairly inconclusive, mainly because burnout and the stress response for that matter is very complex and has many variables and impacts many aspects of our bodies. What's important to keep in mind is that chronic stress impacts virtually every system in your body. The immune system, the cardiovascular system, respiration, hormonal responses, digestion, reproduction. It can even impact brain structure. Your body is equipped to handle stress on a short-term acute basis. And taking time off or slowing down can certainly help in those circumstances. But when you're in burnout, it's more than just stress. You're essentially unable to respond to stressors in the same way, like you're out of gas and stepping on the pedal will do nothing. It's like you can't imagine overcoming your obstacles anymore. There's a deep exhaustion and even a sense of disillusionment and hopelessness. Small tasks feel like hiking up Mount Everest. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between exhaustion and burnout. And since it's not even clear what burnout actually is, often we're in the middle of it before we even notice. A big differentiator is that by the time you're in burnout, it seems more like negativity, cynicism, and disconnection. The responsibilities add up. Maybe you're caring for people at work or being a caregiver at home. Maybe you have kids or aging parents, and it takes a toll because there always seems to be someone who needs you. It's not that you wish it could be different, unless maybe someone is in pain or suffering. That might be a different situation. But putting ourselves into our loved ones and our jobs often means we run out of time for ourselves. This is why there's so much conversation on social media about self-care and boundaries. Because if everyone wants a piece of you, how long will you go before there aren't any pieces left? There's actually something else, more specific than burnout, but likely related, called empathy fatigue, or sometimes called compassion fatigue. It's an overexposure to suffering and pain that can cause personal stress with a reduced ability to be empathetic. So caregivers or first responders, people in healthcare who frequently deal with highly distressing situations involving patients, they experience this. The empathy activates a brain area that senses pain and perceives feelings of stress, and that results in a depletion of feel-good neurotransmitters. So it's almost like you end up taking on that stress in yourself, the stress that you see on a daily basis. People who are experiencing this typically go through different phases. They feel and think, okay, I can do this. I'm okay. I can handle this. And then slowly they move into irritability. They lose their sense of humor. They cut corners at work, become distracted, start feeling cynical. And then they get into this withdrawal phase where they get sick over and over. They have trouble sleeping, feeling confused. They have negative coping strategies like staying up later or drinking alcohol. And eventually they become essentially like zombies working on autopilot, feeling disconnected all the time. So this 
empathy fatigue or compassion fatigue sometimes can be overlapping or even confused with burnout because it's all related, isn't it? We all have different responsibilities and we have time constraints and we also have emotions and feelings around our day-to-day activities. And then when I would get home at the end of the day, it felt like I had zero capacity for anything else. You know, I would, and I would start, and I would notice it, I would see it. And I would feel so guilty about it because I would just, I'd lay on the couch. My kids would come up would you know, we'd finish dinner. They'd want to tell me about things, ask me about things, show me things. And, and I had to fight really hard not to react in the way I was feeling, which is just like, Oh, just go away. And I just thought, Oh my God, what kind of mom am I? My brain just needed to melt. And I just couldn't shake that. I couldn't shake it no matter what we were doing, even if I'd have a bit of a break, you know, over the weekend or whatever. I just, and then, you know, I, the longer it went on, I, I could see it just kind of spread through my life. Let's come back to Megan. In the meantime, let's meet Darlene. So my name is Darlene. I am an admin assistant. I work with a consulting agency that focuses on infrastructure. I'm also a owner for a professional organizing business. Uh, So usually during my spare time, I like to walk my dog. Uh, In the new year, I plan moving closer to the city. So I'm super excited to be where the action is um, in the new year. I'm feeling like 2022 is like my year. It's it's feeling that way. I'm I'm putting I'm putting that out in the world. Darlene shared with me that she feels burnout more regularly. It happens on a somewhat regular basis, and now she's trying to put boundaries in place to prevent it from happening again. I asked her what it feels like when she gets to that point. I know when I'm burning out is when um, my body is just super exhausted and all I want to do is kind of avoid my responsibilities. Sometimes I just shut off my laptop and just kind of stay away from it. So I tend to like avoid my responsibilities when I start to feel burnout. But it's definitely when I start feeling extremely exhausted and just Uh, disengaged from when I start to get disengaged from everything that's when I know I'm starting to burn out I tend to sleep in more I'm a bit more agitated I'm more short-tempered I'm not as patient as I usually am Uh, also I find that I tend to drop the ball more often so I find myself making more mistakes because I'm exhausted and tired Uh, also like to be honest like with me I, I tend to forget to eat. So sometimes I'm not even eating throughout the day because I'm just like so tired trying to take care of everything. Usually when I've reached like my breaking point, uh, my body is just like I actually get like physically sick. If you've experienced it, you'll know the symptoms at first are easy to confuse, deny or ignore. And eventually it can take over. Similar to Megan, Darlene mentions that she's doing more than she's able to manage long-term. With Megan, the focus was emotional strain in her caregiving roles. 
For Darlene, it seems to be more of a time strain, having so much to do with not enough time. I think it's, it is me taking on a lot. So like, for example, with work, I, I work with all different um, divisions in my corporate job. Typically, I tend to take on much more than um, I guess you can say my day to day can handle. And on top of that, I work end up working late hours because after my full time job, um, I'm working with my my own business. So I do have like a client load at the moment. So it's a it's typically go, 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 go with me. It's almost like there's just too much happening at once. Yeah, I I like to think that I'm, I'm much, I'm like, well, I guess you could say, uh, uh, sorry, I'm just trying to think. I'm having a total brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens with burnout. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. When you feel overloaded with work or time or emotions, things get compounded when you have other personal issues or a global pandemic. Darlene mentioned that she's moving in with her partner and helping her parents, all of which adds more to her plate. That's something that um, we're trying to navigate around because this is my also is my first time moving in with someone. So that's something we're trying to navigate. Um, as well as like my parents, they're they're both retired and so they're trying to sell the house. So that's something that I'm trying to navigate because uh, my parents are immigrants and English is there isn't their first language. In Darlene's case, and for many of us, coping strategies might be an issue. We may be well equipped to handle stress to a point, and then you add on more stress and more deadlines, and personal issues, and family stress, and at some point, your ability to cope can't keep up with the stress that's piling on. Of course, this means that burnout could be more likely in people who have other challenges like anxiety or depression. It could be more of a factor in certain personalities. For example, if you're a more private person and you don't have a supportive social circle, then it might be more difficult for you to get the support that you need and more likely for you to experience burnout. In our discussion, Darlene shared some of her struggles with stress in addition to working through mental health concerns. So when I'm like extremely happy, like I'm just like very manic and just like really gung-ho about everything. But then when I'm really sad or really angry, it the emotions are very intense and very to the point where it's physically painful. Um, Not too long ago, actually, I had to take some time off from work. I took about two weeks off because I I just completely shut down. Like my body was just feeling physically sick. My mental health was like on an all time low. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to leave my room. So I decided to take some time off from work because I was just like, I've gone to the point where my mental health, like, it, it started to affect my daily activities. So I just needed to get like a bit of a refresher. This is a common strategy for handling stress and burnout. And of course, it makes sense. 
I just need a break. I need time off. I need to go on vacation. It allows some rest, some relaxation, good sleep, and a break from all the responsibilities that weigh us down. This is why working while you're on vacation doesn't feel as rejuvenating. Taking your computer onto the beach or into your hotel room doesn't feel as relaxing. Or taking young kids who need you to literally keep them alive doesn't necessarily feel relaxing. So should we still go on vacation? Yeah, (laughs) taking a break does help. And because life is busy and we have responsibilities, it's a strategy that we can turn to when we have no other choice. Or we can take smaller breaks in the summer or on long weekends, hoping to recharge enough to make it through till the next break. This is why I went to the hotel and relaxed by myself. By the way, I did actually do that every single year since. (laughs) It was amazing and totally worth it. But is that enough? Why does it keep happening? Why are we always just trying to keep our heads above water? After working almost 10 years in a corporate environment, you tend to work with um, different personalities. So that is definitely a contributing factor to burnout when you have to work with a coworker where like you tend to bump heads with a lot or you don't seem to get along or it's just like just something about them just doesn't mesh well with how your work style is so that's definitely a contributing factor probably a few years ago I was like in a limbo of of what I wanted to do with my career like I was in a toxic work environment so I ended up making the change of leaving but while I was working there it's just it definitely made me not want to go into work and it was and I felt like I was dragging my feet going into the office at the time because of how hostile the environment was. Unfortunately many of us have been in a situation that felt draining or difficult or even toxic. Why do we stay? Maybe we can justify the fact that it's not all bad Or perhaps it feels better than the unknown of doing something else. More often than not, it's because we feel like we have no choice. I guess you could say I was once in a position where I continued to work a job that made me very unhappy, but I continued to work that job because it gave me a comfortable living. It put a roof over my head. I was able to put food on the table. Or So I've definitely been in a position where it's just like, man, like I'm, I'm stressed. I'm depressed. I don't want to be here, but I'm here because I need to make a living. You kind of go into autopilot in all honesty. I guess you could say like, I have like a bit of an out of body experience where I'm just like, I'm there, but I'm not really there. So doing that for like several years at the time, I was just like, man, this sucks. I'm not going to wait till the end to tell you about the other theme that's coming out with both of these interviews and with many other people I've talked to over the years. It's something that I saw even when I was working with patients in clinical practice, something that I think sits underneath these two parts of burnout, managing the demands of life on one side and coping with the stress on the other. Yes, the exhaustion, the lack of time, the heavy emotions all contribute to burnout. And linked to that, What I see over and over again is also an erosion of self. 
call it identity, call it values, call it losing yourself, however you interpret it, there seems to be an erosion of self. Has there ever been a time when you're completely exhausted, but also energized? Maybe you're working on a passion project or a hobby or something else that invigorates you. What if burnout isn't just about being exhausted? What if it's also about losing yourself? Your time for self-care, yes, but also your sense of accomplishment, your pride, your freedom to create, your passion, your connection to your social network, your time to learn something, your motivation to try something new, your ability to be inspired. It gets even more complex when you think about it this way, because it's not just about losing yourself, but it's also about figuring out who you are. We need to know who we are and what we're missing. Otherwise, we take time off because we're burnt out or we feel exhausted or worse, we have health issues. And what if that stress isn't just about time, but about not meeting our needs, lacking satisfaction, missing purpose or self-identity? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that working or caregiving isn't purposeful. We can love the people we take care of and still get burnt out because we're human and we have our own needs too. We are complex beings who aren't just defined by one role. What if we can only ignore our needs for so long before our bodies and our minds give up? The question then becomes, what are those needs and how can we meet them? And also, would that reduce burnout? If we look at burnout in the traditional sense, it's related to overwork. So the solution would be to take a break. But if we look at aspects of burnout that are considered identity, you may be at higher risk of burnout if you're exposed to something that threatens your identity or your sense of self. My name is Nardine Nakla. I am a pharmacist. I'm a community pharmacist by training, and I'm also a full-time faculty member at the University of Waterloo School of Pharmacy, where my job is to train future pharmacists on the importance of self-care and specifically with pharmacist-facilitated self-care, which can include everything from self-medication, using products that are available without prescriptions, to um, you know, taking care of their selves and prioritizing self-care and the seven pillars of self-care um, and, and to things like risk mitigation and the management of minor ailments. I asked Nardine about her thoughts and experience with burnout, both professionally and personally. I think the biggest thing for me is realizing it's not a medical diagnosis. You're not going to go in and they're going to say, you have burnout. (laughs) It's not that. It is a condition that impacts both your physical and your mental well-being. Um, And again, it's really the hallmark sign is the state of exhaustion, physical exhaustion usually, but mental exhaustion as well. Um, And that can be coupled with this reduced sense of accomplishment, which is something that I, you know, the reduced sense of accomplishment, I could definitely uh, speak to. That's something that I feel whenever I'm burning out. I'm just, oh my gosh, I cannot accomplish anything. I'm just, 
And I feel all kinds of things that are negative because of that. Here, we talked about the deeper emotional aspects of burnout. Beyond the physical stress of being exhausted and the structural limitations of work, deadlines, and family responsibilities, the deeper results of being on the go for months and years, it connects to these lost spirals that I mentioned earlier. When you can't, when you can't keep up with that pace and you feel like you're not as productive or able to accomplish as much, and then you feel discouraged by that and it gets worse and worse. I would add that um, the expectations we place on ourselves kind of go hand in hand. Um, the expectations placed on us by our workplaces, by family members, that always uh, contributes as well. Unhealthy work environments, unhealthy home environments, um, kind of this lack of control on your workload, whether it be caregiving or whether it be your actual workload at work. When our lives are so busy, it can feel easier to sweep our feelings and emotions under the rug. Sometimes it's easier to ignore what we're going through in order to get through the day. I know I've done it. And sometimes it was even helpful in that moment. I mean, it's not always easy and I'm not always able to do it. And it's not also that healthy to always push through the emotion and not deal with it. So of course, whether in the moment or later, I need to at some point make time for my own emotions. I mean, that speaks to the self-awareness piece, right? It requires so much emotional energy to deal with that. And when you're busy and in the constant grind, you're kind of just pushing it off, pushing it off. But when you take a moment and you want to reflect inwards, you're like, I, I, have a, I have to deal with this. I've never fully dealt with it. I think that moment is both scary, but also it's such a powerful one where you, you know what, this is what I need to do now to take care of me because this is what's happened and this is what I'm noticing. And unfortunately, a lot of people will not get there. They will just continue to block it out or to be so busy that they don't have the time or space required um, to deal with all that emotional energy and, and all the, the, the past. So what does all this mean in the context of burnout? Of course, we need to deal with the actual stress part, the physical symptoms, the schedule components. We need to put in boundaries and take time off and rest and prioritize self-care. We need time for self-care. And in fact, I would argue that as a society, we probably need radical self-care more than just superficial self-care. That's probably a different episode altogether. But if we want real change or real shift, we need to also address the emotional components. We need to examine our lives in terms of our identity, our personality, our values, and our goals. Whatever feels like it's missing or not aligned in life is a good clue about what needs to change. Ask yourself, what am I missing? What will make me more whole? What do I need to be happy as a person, not as a professional or as a parent or as a partner, but as an individual? Rediscovering your sense of self can help with coping skills and make you more resilient against burnout. So find something to support different parts of you, different areas of your life that are important to you. Maybe it's about adding in those parts again. Or maybe it's about realigning your time or your circumstances to fit your values. Here's my theory. Burnout is more likely to happen when you have trouble recognizing yourself or when you feel like you're losing yourself. For me, I realize that my natural tendency is to take care of everyone and make sure that those around me are happy. But I also have a strong drive for independence and feeling free. And it helps me to get time alone to do whatever I want, whenever I want it. That's where the hotel came in. 
It also really helped with sleep. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Sleep was really, really critical when the kids were little. Or my husband, for example, he's a very relaxed, easygoing, fun, spontaneous guy. And when he gets heavy with responsibility, he loses that part of himself. And we try to carve out space for him to just, I don't know, be a kid again. (laughs) We play games and laugh and be silly. And of course, the laughter and lightness itself is stress relieving. But it also brings back that part of who he is. Sometimes it's easier said than done. But you need to find pieces of yourself again to increase your resilience and your ability to cope. Sometimes this means making changes in life or deciding how much you can take on. And sometimes it's just trying to manage until you can figure out a longer term solution. For Megan, she was feeling underappreciated. And she also felt like her hands were tied, meaning that the system, the caregiving system, the healthcare system, wasn't aligning with her beliefs and efforts to deliver the best patient care. And she felt that it was a reflection of her self-worth, who she was, who she believed herself to be, and how she wanted to make a difference in the world. This caused an erosion of self, the frustration that she couldn't help people in the way that she felt was best. It was at odds with her values and the reason she chose healthcare as her career. For Darlene, it was this feeling of maybe being trapped or stuck. She was in a work situation that she didn't enjoy, but felt that she had to be there. And the longer that went on, the more she lost parts of herself. The toxicity weighed on her. She felt like she didn't have control, and it impacted her confidence, her sense of purpose, and it went against her internal ethical compass. I went back to both of these women and told them my theory about there being a component of loss of identity, values, sense of self in burnout. Oh, wow. I feel like you hit the nail on the head with that. Like, for sure. Like, when when it comes to just, like, your self-image and self-identity, that that's something that I personally struggle with, for sure. Definitely agree with that when you're in an environment or in a space where um, it kind of chips away at you and, and your own personal identity. That definitely can is a big factor to leading to burnout for sure. And it's funny because like these things can happen and you don't even realize it because you're just so caught up with it within the moment. So I think you definitely hit the nail on the head with that one. When I asked Darlene about her hobbies and passions, she talked about interior design and organization. Everything has a place. So I have like storage bins for like all my plant stuff. I have storage bins for all my accessories. Like in my closet, when you look into my closet, I do something where it's like a capsule wardrobe. So right now I only have seasonal pieces in my closet and like my shoe boxes with pictures of my shoes on them, just so I know. And it helps. Oh, my God. It really helps when I get ready during the day because I look at my boxes and there's pictures of my shoes. And I'm like, okay, it's going to be that pair of shoes today. I just pull it. It's like, yeah, that's that's how I am. Like, oh, yeah, it's just like I really love my space. This is one of the major things that has been helping her. She's now at a job that she finds stimulating and thankfully is not toxic but also she's been able to make time for her passion as a side business. Even Megan has now found something that aligns with her values at her job. I think a really big part of it was 
just recognition and and a and a bit of awareness and mind shift for me. So I've been um, taking some courses about you know some different doing some training in areas that I'm passionate about and that I'm passionate about um, in terms of advocacy and accessibility. So the more energy I spend in those areas, the more um, completed, satisfied, energized I feel. And then by nature of that, I don't have as much time for the stuff that sucks the light out of me. She's also found hobbies and interests outside of work, too. I want to have more more time for social stuff outside of the home. And it used to be that my anxiety would hold me back from that. And when I'd have opportunities, I would be interested, but then I'd shy away because I wasn't sure how I would do. And so this year, I have a really good group of friends that are really encouraging and supportive and they like to take risks and do new things and so I'm letting myself be caught up in that and you know take it along which is which has been really really good for me. I always like to end on something positive or gratitude. And I've been thinking about burnout for a while. I would say that I'm usually really self-aware for the most part, or I try to be. So I've been able to boost my resilience and coping strategies over the years with my health knowledge combined with reflecting on my own needs. But a lot of it was buying time, especially when my kids were younger or I had other family members to take care of. More recently, I decided that I could add more of myself into my life again. So I wanted to take a dance class. It was a pre-pandemic plan. And yes, I do dance around the kitchen with my kids, but I needed something more. You probably don't know this about me, but if you ever used to watch that 90s show in Living Color, I wanted to be a fly girl. (laughs) That's what I wanted to be when I grew up. Of course, I'm not at all a dancer, professional or otherwise, but it is a big part of who I am and who I want to be. Anyway, I finally signed up for these classes a few months ago when things started opening up and I came home so energized and talking a mile a minute. I learned this and I learned that and my husband said he had no idea what I was saying, but that I looked really happy and he said, I love this you. Last week after one of my classes, my daughter said, mommy, I want to find something that I love as much as you love to dance. So this is a win. I'm glad to have this part of me back, and I'm glad that they get to see it. If you enjoyed this episode or any episodes on this podcast, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. I promise I will read every single one of them, and it really means a lot to me to know that not only are you listening, but also hopefully you're getting something out of these episodes. I'd love to hear from you about burnout or any other subject. You can reach me at the website livingxo.com. And you can also leave me a really cool voice message at livingxo.com forward slash podcast message. 
I'm always working on new episodes, so I'm going to leave a list on the website. And if you have thoughts about a topic that I haven't covered yet, please feel free to send me a message or leave me a voicemail, and maybe I'll be able to include you in a future episode. You can also check out my workshops. I have one on brain and worry and another one on emotional regulation. All the workshops are on the website, livingxo.com forward slash shop. You can also get my journals there and all of my content is basically up on the website, livingxo.com. Thank you so much for joining me. Until next time.